Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
title of this sermon is, is Absurd Generosity. If you'd turn in your Bibles to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, as you're turning there, remember, if you have a prayer request, if you have a need, make sure you just see us afterwards. Grab somebody. They will gladly pray for you and, and help you out in that. Remember your bulletin to sheet for all the other prayer requests to be praying for. Matthew 21. This is going to be a weird passage. I've never preached on this passage, so hang with me. But uh, I want to speak to you about absurd generosity. Generosity or talking about generosity is something that often makes people nervous. Don't let it today. All right? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to ask you to give sacrificially, but I want you to see this as an opportunity. And I want you just to know that this is between you and God. Right? God knows where you're at. God knows what you can do and what you can't do. Somebody might give three cents, and it might be the same thing as somebody else giving $20,000. Right? This isn't about the amount. This is about our hearts. And I want us to have generous hearts. I want you to get to experience that, the absurdity of generosity. And, and that might not make sense to you, but hopefully as we go through this, it will. Please don't let it freak you out. Please understand that I know there are husbands and wives not on the same page. This isn't meant to cause you any stress in your relationships. Don't let it. Okay? All right? So we all good. No condemnation. No judgment. Just opportunities to be generous. We good with that? All right. Matthew 21. Matthew 21. I, I'm just... If you would join me in this prayer right now, just praying for God's Spirit to speak to us through His Word, right? Um, I pray that we would just live our lives generously in response to the grace that's been given to us. That's what it's about. Matthew 21, would you stand with me in honor of God's Word? This is about the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem right before He would be crucified. Matthew 21, beginning at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage of the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey uh, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, speak to us. Soften our hearts. Open our ears and eyes, Lord. May we hear you, not what any person says. May we hear directly from you. Holy Spirit, you have right of way. Challenge us. Convict us. Help us to grow in this. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. You may be seated. So, 
why is generosity absurd? Why is it? Where are we going with that? that? That's what I want us to look at. First of all, it's because God asks us for something, and that alone is absurd. Have you ever thought about that? Right, The fact that God has ever asked you or me for anything is absurd. And the fact that he sends his disciples into this town to, to look for a donkey and a young donkey to bring him in is absurd. God could have said, right, my son's coming into town to do the most important thing in the history of mankind, right? And prophecy says he's going to come in on this donkey, on this young donkey, right? So I'll just create one. Bam. He could have said it and it would have happened, right? God could have just made whatever he needed. Need a Bible school in this remote region of the world? Bam, I'm just going to speak it into existence, and, and there it is, right? How amazing would that be? But that's not what he does, right? The fact that God comes to people he has made, people he has made, and asks to borrow things that he has created is absurd, it's absolutely absurd. The psalmist says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It all belongs to him. I hope that when God approaches us, lays something on our hearts that is for the kingdom, right, or to help somebody, that our response is, are you kidding me? Yeah. You're asking me for something that belongs to you anyways? You're asking for me to, be, uh, to get to be a part of what you're doing with your stuff? Absolutely, right? That should be our, that should be our yes, Lord. Jesus could have said, tell that guy to give me those donkeys, right? Uh, and I'm taking them. He doesn't do that, though. He asks for them. He tells them the Lord needs them right? He could have come in riding in the clouds, but he chooses to come riding low on these animals to be lifted up. And this is the way of our kingdom that we belong to. And it's absurd that God asks us for anything because he owns it all. It's absurd. Second thing that is absurd about generosity is that Jesus rides into town on the, on the generosity of ordinary people, right? Jesus says, I'm going I'm to ride into town on this generosity of this person who owns these donkey and this foal, right? He, he didn't ask for the Ferrari or the Lambo, right? He didn't go to the richest person and ask him for those things. Just, just bring me the donkey and the foal. Ask for them, right? I don't need the fancy ride. So I don't need the richest person or the one with the most influence or the, the, who society would say the high and mighty to help us out, right? I have personally seen that is often the ordinary person that God gets a hold of and uses in extraordinary ways. The ordinary person, the yous and me's. Big picture too, like look at the effect of that ordinary person and what they allowed God to have. Jesus rides into town. He doesn't just appear into town. He rides in on the generosity of that ordinary person and what the whole city, the whole city is stirred. Could you imagine being a part of that? Can you imagine God asking you for something and saying yes and you get to be a part of a whole city being stirred? 
of people getting to sing Hosanna to the king, right? The whole city, and it started with an ordinary person and a couple donkeys. This didn't start with amazing preaching or teaching. This didn't start with a mega rich person with a chariot that let him borrow it, right? It started with ordinary generosity. And the fact that Jesus chooses to ride into this city on our ordinary generosity is absurd. Absolutely absurd. The third thing that's crazy about this generosity is that it allows us to be written into the story of God. It allows us to be written into the story of God, right? Similarly, and please hear this, our greed writes us out of the story of God. Our greed will prevent us from being in this story of God and what he's doing. But our generosity writes us in there. So we get somebody who owned two donkeys. Somebody who owned two donkeys and just let them borrow, let Jesus borrow them, written into the gospel. Right? I'm not in the gospel. You're not in the gospel. Right? We could have been if we were back in this time, though, when we were willing to be generous with what God asked us to do. But Jesus uses them. I, I want us to see this. I want us to see it. it's those little acts of just being responsive to what God is asking us, what God is prompting us that writes us into the story of God. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that absurd? Have you ever experienced this? God just prompts you to do something and you're like, hmm, okay, you know, and, and maybe you fight with it, but then you give into it and then God does something just utterly amazing that blows somebody else's mind away and you get to be a part of what God is doing there's nothing better than that there's nothing better than that it's one of the most amazing things but greed but selfishness will prevent that it will keep that from happening we make the mistake thinking we need a lot of money we need a lot of extra money to be used by God to be used to make a difference. But then we read the story of the poor widow, right? The poor widow. It's in two of the gospel accounts. She made it in there, right? A poor widow with a few cents. She puts that into the offering, and Jesus makes a big deal about it. Mark 12, 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in. He's watching, right? And watch this crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow game. And put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. She's in the story. There's a kid with five barley loaves and two fish. That's in the story, right? Barley loaves, the poor man's bread, made it into the story. There are a lot of people like this in the story who've been written into the story because of their, because of their generosity. We know Joseph of Arimathea. Why do we know him? Because he loaned Jesus a tomb, right? There's an amazing story of God dying for us. The gospel, changing the course of human history. And somehow this Joseph guy makes it in there. Have you ever wondered about that or thought about that? With everything else that's going on, there's that note about this guy who lets Jesus borrow a tomb. 
This is the story about the most amazing thing ever. And this guy makes it into being a part of that. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of what God is doing? Why is he in there? Because God chooses to invite people to be in the story, into this epic unfolding story that continues today, right? And the best part is he doesn't just invite the rich. He doesn't just invite those that are super influential, the billionaires or even the millionaires, right? Get this, man. He invites us all, no matter where we're at and what station that we are in life. And we don't compare what we do with anyone else. We say, what is God asking us for? And that's what we're held to. He invites us all, but it's only those who are available. It's only those who are available with generosity that get written in. Even when it's only a few cents, right? It's completely absurd. Jack, Zechariah prophesies 500 years before Christ was born. In Zechariah 9.10, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. One person's generosity here enables this prophecy to be fulfilled. It's absurd to us that God lets us be a part of what he's doing, be a part of his story. The question is, is he inviting you into it? And do you hear him? Is he inviting you into it? Or are you too busy, too focused in on yourself and what you want to have ears that hear, to listen to that small voice prompting you? Are you too much focused in on the toys of this world or that new dream house that you're missing out on it? Louis Giglio tells a story this time. A, a business CEO invited him to go see Billy Graham. Louis had never met Billy Graham, and, and it was near the end of Billy Graham's life when things were failing. And so he's like, yeah, I would, I would love to go. And so he says, all right, let's fly out there. They fly out there. They, they get a car, and it's the CEO, his son, and Louis Giglio. And on their way to Billy Graham, uh, the son had to be dropped off because the son's friend, his mother, uh, had passed away, so there was a funeral going on. So they, they drop the son off, and Louie and the CEO goes on and meets Billy Graham, and it's just an amazing, amazing time there. And so they get done, and then on their way back, they stop to pick the son up, and, and the CEO goes, do you mind if I uh, just go inside now? Now, Louie's got something that he needs to be back in time for. In fact, he told him at the start of this, yeah, I can do this, but i got to be back for this other thing that I have going on. And so but Louis's like, yeah, go ahead. So this guy goes in, and he just wants to just give the son's friend a, um, a hug. And so these are in there for a while, and then all of a sudden, three men come out. The CEO, the son, and then the friend of the son, who had lost the mom. And Louis sees them coming to the car, and so Louis gets out. And the son looks at him, and he's like, Louis's like, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. You know, from what I've heard, your, your mom was an amazing person. Even when she was dealing with cancer, I heard that she just loved Jesus and she was a force for him. And, and uh, um, just, yeah, I'm sorry. And so the son sees him and, and just looks at him and he goes, I can't believe you're here. 
I just cannot believe you're here. And he gives him this big, great bear hug, right? And Louis is like, okay, we, what's going on? He doesn't know this kid, right? And the son says that when his mom got cancer, she stumbled onto this message where he talked about the whales and stars and Chris Tomlin. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But they're all singing together, and, and she just loved it. And she played it at home. She played it in the hospital. She played it in hospice. She would play it for anybody that came in to see her. She would just have them sit down and, and pray with, play with that and pray with them and talk to them and share the gospel through it. And she told them before she died, she said, hey, I want you to play this during my funeral service. And he said to Louis, so we just played you in there a few minutes ago. And of course that, of course that hit Louis and it overwhelmed him. And the son said, you know, hey, my dad would love to meet you and say hello. You know, would you come in? Louis's not dressed for a funeral. He's got gym shoes on, he said. He didn't really feel like he should go in there. Felt a little awkward. You know, he's got something going on, too, that he needs to get back to, something very important. But he says yes, right? So he goes in. They skip the line. They get to the dad, and the son's like, look who's here. And the dad's like, oh, my word, right? And so Louis Gigolo and the dad just hug it out and get in there and they just have this crazy moment together and Louis doesn't even know this guy's name but he's connecting through the gospel right connecting through God and Louis just says you know what amazing what an amazing thing this is right the God of the universe ordained this brought this together right just to speak to you and Louis says I hope you realize this I hope you realize how, how God is speaking to you today. You know, I know you celebrated her, uh, but God arranged all this, right, just to encourage you. Uh, God brought us out to North Carolina uh, from where they were and, and to give you this amazing message. And the daughter sees what's going on. And the daughter comes up and she's like, oh my gosh, my mom would be so mad that you're here and she doesn't get to meet you and she has a similar experience and they hug it out and Louis gets through the rest of the family, you know, and it's just, he goes back to the car with the dad and the CEO and he's just blown away, right? Blown away at what God let him be a part of. The other two, the CEO and, and, the, and the son are just kind of talking normally, but he's just overwhelmed with this of, of what came from saying yes, right, and, and following that. And my friends, those are the type of moments that I want for us. If you've had them, you, you know what we're talking about. But I want that from you. I want you, yeah, you don't feel like it. Or you got something else but that's going on, but a prompting tells you, hey, go inside. Meet some people, right? Because that's what you'll get to be a part of. Those types of moments. How many of us don't even pull up at the curb? Right? Scary thought. How many of us don't even pull up at the curb and miss out on these opportunities because we're too busy, because we're too focused in on ourselves, because we're too focused in on money? I don't have anything that I can give. I don't have any time that I can give. How many are too busy to, and miss out on what God's doing? How many times do we miss out on being in God's story? How absurd is it that we have those opportunities, though? 
when we say yes. How absurd is it that we get to be a part of that? Fourth reason why generosity is absurd is because we always get back more than you give. I am not health and wealth Christianity. I'm not American Christianity. In fact, I'm very much against it. If you've got a TV evangelist asking you for a $50 million plane and everything like that, I don't believe in that. And they're, they're telling you all these things. But it, it is what I've always experienced. Anything that I've given to God, I've got more back. I've never missed it. Never. Never once missed it. Anything. Whether that's, I'm not just talking money. I'm talking time. I'm talking just kind words, just whatever that is that God has asked me to do. Anything that you give to God, you'll get it back and then some. Give your marriage to God. Give your kids to God. Give your schedule to God. Give your money to God, and he will rearrange it and give it back and then some. I promise you. There's a, the person here got their donkeys back, right? Probably only used them for an hour, and the person I'm sure got the follow and be a part of of people singing hosanna hosanna right he got to or she got to experience that amazing time and probably went home and told their spouse you're never going to believe what happened today but these people wanted to borrow the donkeys so i let them take them out right and i got to experience a whole city being stirred i guarantee you you'll get back far more than whatever you give when god prompts you for something you got to remember First, you're just letting him borrow what's already his. You're just letting him borrow whatever it's his. And here's the crazy thing, the absurd part. You get back more. You get back more. You're, it's like me giving my kids 100 bucks, and I say, hey, can I borrow 20? And they say, yeah, and then I give them back 40. You know, it's my money anyways. But he allows us to be a part of that, and he tests us with that. You know, do you have that understanding of this is all mine? Give it to him. Be generous, right? It might be you get to be a part of encouraging somebody at a funeral like Louis Giglio in a really difficult time, and wouldn't that be worth it? Absolutely. When we built this church, right, Pastor Mark asked us to make a two-year pledge. Some of us in here are still back from that time period, and we did that, right? We prayed about it. And we prayed about it. And we prayed about it. And I remember doing that, right? And, and God gave me a number to give every week. Clear as day, a specific number. And I said, okay, we'll do that. And I did that. And I remember a few months into that, right? My paycheck got cut in half. Something happened in my life. And I'm like, how in the world am I ever going to be able to continue on with this two-year pledge? I still got a year and you know, three quarters of a year left. And, and uh, God did not let me out of that pledge. I thought he would. I thought I had a pretty good reason, right? But God did not let me out of that pledge. So I said, and I purposed in my heart, I'm going to follow with it and do everything that I can and leave the rest up to you, right? So I cut my cable TV. I cut my cell phone. That's back when cell phones were new and you didn't have to have a cell phone, right? Got a job as a janitor, did everything that I could to cut my expenses and everything like that, and I saw God work miracle after miracle to make it possible to keep that pledge. We sang about his faithfulness. He's faithful. And I got to, I got to, to learn that in a very tangible way, to 
in a very real way. He wouldn't have called me to that if I couldn't have done that or it couldn't have happened. And he, he provided all the slack. There was a part to play, right? But he provided everything. I got, I got money from insurance companies. I got money from old jobs that I had just out of the blue, like years before they just sent me checks. Miracle. You get a, you get a check from an insurance company. That's a miracle, right? <laughs> In that season, though, I learned about God's faithfulness. And things were stripped away because I couldn't do certain things anymore. Things that I shouldn't have been doing in the first place. They were stripped away, and it was a time just to really just draw near to God. And it was the best time ever. Hard time? Yeah. Long time? Yeah. Would I change anything? No. No. Because of what God taught me. And if that was the end of that story, I'd praise God. Just because he enabled that to happen. But at the end of that story, when we were done with that pledge, I was totaling up what had been given. And a couple months later, I get another check out of the blue for double that. And I was able to use that to put a down payment on a house. Out of the blue, totally not expecting it. When I tell you, that if God prompts you for something, if you follow it, I tell you, he will give you back more. Like I said, I'm not health and wealth. I don't believe that. You know, I believe there would be difficult times in our seasons and everything like that, but I also believe that God blesses us, what he calls us to do. I wouldn't just come up and say, just give a, a, a ton of money and just say, well, God, you owe me double now or, or something like that. I'm telling you, if God prompts you, if God calls you to do something, and it's not just money, if God calls you to go visit somebody, right? If God tells you to, to contact somebody and you do it, I guarantee you, you're going to be blessed more than what you're doing. You're going to be, a, be able to be a part of the story, though. And it's absurd. Because it's not ours anyways. Because everything on this globe spinning around belongs to him. Amen? You hold back, you miss out. I don't want you to miss that. I don't care how much you give. I don't care what you do with your time and that. I just care about if you're following the promptings of God. That's what I care about. I care about that you're getting to be a part of these amazing stories and being a part of what God is doing because it will wreck your life. It will change your life. It will flip it upside down. You'll be amazed. You'll be blessed. Not financially, maybe. Not even with health, right? You'll be blessed, though, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to be generous when God prompts you. Be ready for the storm, right? You start tithing, the storm's coming. I'm just telling you. Like any, everything that the enemy can throw against you, your car is going to break down. You're going to have these things happen, right? You're going to lose your job and your, your job's going to be cut in half, your financial income, great, and you're not going to see a way forward. But I tell you, if he prompted you, he'll make a way. There's going to be a part on your end, right? You're going to have to rearrange some things to make it possible. You're going to have to do everything that you can, but he'll supply the rest. And in the end, you'll be praising God for what he did with that. Last thing, if you struggle with generosity, can you just remember God's generosity towards us, which is the biggest, 
most absolute absurd thing in life, right? Can you remember God's generosity towards you? He died for you. When we're at our worst, when we're spitting on him, when we're mocking him, when we're beating him, right? He still willingly laid down his life. Do you remember in the garden when he was praying, Father, if there's any other way, I don't want to go down this path. I don't want to go down this path. Please take this cup away from me. Please do it another way. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he went and laid down his life on the cross. For you and me, it's absolutely absurd. Absurd. It is the most absurd thing ever. And we can live in response to that. And we can do absurd things as well. Man, be a part of that. Whatever he's prompting you to do, whatever he's asking you to do, be a part of that. Live in response to that generosity. I don't want to hold on to things so tightly that I miss out on being in the story. Because that's my tendency. Right? I want things. I want my own time. I don't want to be bothered with certain things. Let me just focus in on me. Let me just, let me just get the things that I want, the toys that I want. If you focus in on that, you're going to miss out on some amazing things. Don't do it. Don't do it. Live in response to that, right? Many of you have been given and have received the greatest gift you could ever get, the gospel, the eternal life. Don't hold on or chase after what the world has to offer. It pales in comparison to what's been given to you. You have something far better. Like, use what you have. Use those things in your life to spread the gospel, right? Say yes to the Holy Spirit when he prompts you in whatever way that he prompts you and praise God that you get to be a part of what he's doing. Praise God that you get to be a part of mankind being redeemed and restored and reconciled to the God who created them. That's the goal here. That's the goal here. Be a part of what this church is doing. Support it. Support it. Amen? I've got a sheet that I want to pass out. Lanny, can you help me? Maybe can I get somebody else? You just give one of these to each family member. Jonas, you got this? Andy? Thank you. It's one to each family member. This is a this is a commitment pledge. So <clears throat> number one thing I say down here it starts off, God's laying it on my heart. So here's what I'd like you to do. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you just pray about this? That's all. Just pray about this. And if God leads you in a certain direction, I put some possibilities there, follow it. Whatever he prompts you, right? Here's the other thing. It's anonymous. I'd love for you to give me this back if God does prompt you with something. I'd love you to just put it in the thing here. I don't want your name, though. It's between you and God, right? Maybe somebody's going to say, hey, I got three cents that I want to give towards this, and that's what God prompted me. Because times are difficult right now, Right? Maybe there's some things at the bottom. Maybe I can't give, but I'm going to regularly 
come to church. I'm going to volunteer to be a part of something and serving in some ways. Man, wouldn't it be amazing? The last thing I put on here is I'm going to pray for my church family regularly. That'd be amazing. This isn't just about money, all right? But we have some opportunities for you. An opportunity. Hey, first thing I put on here after that is maybe I'm just going to start giving regularly and support my church, right? Without your support, our electric bill does not get paid. Our gas bill does not get paid. And as you know, gas bills are going up, right? But without your giving, without your regularly giving, it makes it very difficult to do these things. So maybe you're not giving, or maybe you're not giving regularly. Maybe God's going to say, hey, I just want you to start supporting this church, right? Or maybe you're to the place where, you know what, I'm going to start tithing. Give 10%. My family does this. I wouldn't ask you to do anything that we don't give. I arrange my life. We arrange our life around the tithe. We get our paycheck, we write that 10%, we live off the rest. A lot of people get their paycheck, they spend everything, and then whatever's left over, I'll consider giving it to God. We don't do that, though. We order everything around it. And, and that makes you have to sacrifice and be careful about what you spend your money on, what kind of car you can get, what kind of house you have, and everything like that. It orders that. But it puts everything in order, and that's God's design. So maybe you're going to say, man, God's asking me to tithe. But, like I said, maybe you're here, though, and your spouse isn't here, and you don't agree on this. We're not here to cause issues with that. So keep that in mind, right? Maybe I'm going to give a one-time gift to the teens and help them out. Um, man, maybe somebody will say, hey, I know there's teens that will not be able to afford their portion, so I'm going to give you $800 towards that teen so that one teen can go. Because I know there's teens that are not going to be able to afford this, the part that they're. We're going to give with the church. We're going to make them earn it. They're going to have to come to church. They're going to have to be involved in a, in a ministry and serve in some way. And then uh, we're also going to fundraise them for them. But maybe you can help out on a different end. Uh, there's going to be a box out there. there. Maybe there is a box right out up there. Yeah. Eddie, would you hold that up? Just show everybody so that when you recognize it. So if you see that, you can put some money in here. Hey, if everybody just gave $2 every week or something like that, that would be an amazing thing. Whatever God calls on your, on your heart to do, all right? Uh, maybe you want to help with the parking lot. Maybe you want to help with the building fund. Maybe you just are feeling called to do something else. Would you, would you pray about this, though? And over the next two weeks, pray about it. And if, if God calls you to do something, would you put it down on here? and do it. All right? I'm praying that there's, there's people who are radically generous and give five bucks a month, because I know that would be a huge thing. Or, man, when I used to count the offering, I'd see these old, poor widows putting in their dollars. Man, that was huge. That was huge. That encouraged me to be generous, because I knew they didn't have, they didn't have that money to give. And they did it. They were faithful. It's not about the size. So I pray maybe you're the dollar person. Maybe you're the $20,000 person, right? Whatever it is that God asks you to do, would you just pray about it and consider doing it? That's my call. Be, be a part of this absurd generosity that God lets us be a part of. Amen? All right. Would you stand with me? It's all anonymous. It's all between you and God. It has to be just between you and God, right? Church board needs to kind of plan some things, so we need to know some things, but we want, don't want to know who and what God's doing. I just want you to be following what God does, though.
because I know it'll bless you. Amen. <coughs> All right, let's pray. Might need Jody to pray for me. Father, we thank you for today. <clears throat> Lord, whatever it is, would you speak to us? Would you help us not to be too busy, too focused in on ourselves, Lord, to hear? Father, if it's something other than financial, that's even better. Maybe it's a commitment to being here. Maybe it's a commitment to serving in some way. Maybe it's a commitment to pray regularly that we're not doing. Lord, would you just lay something on our hearts that you're calling to us? And would you, Lord, give us the, give us the boldness to follow it. Lord, I know it's not easy. I know you might call somebody to tithe, and that's the scariest thing in the world. But Father, help us to be faithful. Help us to step out and trust you. Help us to do everything that we can, Lord. Help us to be ready when we do these things, whatever it is. Maybe it's to serve in some kind of ministry, Lord. I know the enemy's going to come against them. Father, would you just remind them of that, though? Would you prepare them? Would you help them to just fall at your feet, Lord, and cling to you during these times? Lord, would you help us to be good stewards with what is entrusted to us? Would you remind us that nothing we have is ours? Our kids are on loan to us from God, from you. Would you help us to be good stewards of our kids? Would you help us to be good stewards of our time? Would you help us to be good stewards of our talents? Would you remind us that we've been given gifts? Gifts that are needed in the church to build the body. Lord, let us be used by you. We love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.